The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter began to say to Jesus, Look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wednesday morning, I left the coffee shop on Main Street and uh, headed around the corner. My heart was heavy as I was reading Remembrances of September 11th, 2001. And it's hard to believe that 18 years have passed since that day. We will probably all remember where we were before many of us never imagined such devastation was actually possible. I wondered if in the aftermath people could have known the changes our world would see in the decades following that tragedy. There's been no drought of wars and crisis, animosity, more tragedies and fear. And I remember it was September 12th, 2001. I found myself driving around the San Fernando Valley and I saw many candlelight vigils, groups of people standing on the corner with flags coming together, holding each other in their grief and in hope. Where did that hope go? And after the coffee shop, I ran into one of our neighbors experiencing homelessness. And he used to come to the senior meal program here in the afternoon. He's 61 and homeless. We talked about an incident that happened here that's kept him away for a while, but he had a conflict with another guest. I assured him he's welcome to come back and eat with us and asked if he needed anything. And he said he was fine, but he was unsure about what the future would bring for him. And he was doing his best to survive but was quite aware of the danger he faced being out on the streets. And it seemed hard for him to find hope. And just down the road, I stopped off at the Las Vegas Healing Garden, and it was quickly constructed after the October 1st shooting nearly two years ago. And a man there was spraying a fresh coat of lacquer on one of the painted rocks in the garden that decorated a memorial to someone, maybe a friend, a daughter, the morning was cool, and I walked and prayed there in the garden, mindful that soon we'll see another tragic anniversary in this city. Where can we turn for hope? And after all of this, I was thinking of Abraham and Sarah in this story. They heard this promise that God would make of them a great nation, a multitude of descendants, more than the stars even. And God called Abraham righteous, promised them land, made a covenant with them, made a promise. God promised them that, that their descendants would outnumber the stars in heaven. But as time passed, Sarah didn't have children. They waited for God's promise to come true. Maybe they lost hope too. They decided to have an error in another way. And Abraham had a son with Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, who had no consent, no say in the matter. 
And then yet 24 years from the day he heard God's promise, the Lord shows up, appeared to Abraham again. Three strangers come to their door. And what started as a basic meal, let me get some bread and water, hang out for a while to show hospitality, becomes a feast. They start making cakes and get the calf and all the fixings. And they weren't just any hungry travelers, of course. They were like old friends to Abraham. They'd talked before. He recognizes something. They shared the meal and they say to Abraham, where's your wife, Sarah? They knew all about her, too. Well, she's in the tent. But the question seems to be more about just her location. Where is Sarah? Is she hiding? Is she ready to throw in the towel? Is she offended? Is she afraid, hurting, holding out hope or leaning on her own efforts to hold this family together? Where is Sarah in her heart? Where is Sarah in this relationship? Where is her focus? Where is her faith? The Lord came to bring a message, an annunciation. Soon Sarah would have a son. Now I know, my wife tells me all the time, women having children at an advanced age is not unheard of. May it not be so in my house. <laughs> but we can imagine Sarah is at least the average age of membership in a church in the ELCA. 55. 55. Sarah believes herself unable to have children. She says it in the previous chapter. She has waited for decades for her family to grow. And she must believe that there's little hope for this promise to come true now. And she hears the news that indeed she will have a son. She does what we might do. She laughs. Maybe it was a nervous laugh as if she were to say, how can this be? Maybe a cynical laugh. There's no way that's ever going to happen. It might even be angry. How dare you tease me like that? In each instance, her feelings would be valid, right? She might, might just be joyful even, grateful or astonished. The news is more than she can bear, so she laughs. It just comes out. And the Lord says to Abram, why did she laugh? She denies it. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, oh, yes, you did. God knows her. God knows her feelings. God knows what she's been through, the waiting that she's persisted through, the ups and downs, the, the public shame of it all. God knows where her heart is at. And God knows our reality, our pain, our longing, our cynicism and depression too, our desperation. While we wait for God's promises to come true in our own lives, we might despair. We might turn into Veruca Salt. We want it now! It can be hard to believe in a God of love when we look around and all we know is pain and grief. It can be hard to believe in a God of peace when we see a world that doesn't act that way. And I can't imagine what it's like for people driven from their homes because of violence in their communities. Children who have seen the devastation of war. 
families going hungry because of famine or inadequate work, entire cities destroyed by natural disasters just weeks ago, people still dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Dorian. To hear their pleas fall on deaf ears or to be turned away, to lack food and shelter, to live in fear of authorities, to be detained without access to help. Should we tell them, go in peace, Christ is with you? They might laugh. That's okay. For some, it's easy to persevere through the pain, through those ups and downs. For others, hope is just a distant memory. So I guess the question that I'm wrestling this week is, how do we hold on to faith when everything around us just seems to be falling apart? How do we live when our rescue seems so far off? And we see this example, Sarah waiting for the promise of God to come to her for nearly quarter of a century and nothing. Moving, walking through foreign lands, living in fear. That promise just wasn't coming true. And then when it was announced that the time had finally arrived for something good to happen in her life, she found it hard to believe. Is it any wonder? But the Lord knew. She did laugh. Still, God would fulfill, fulfill the promise. And the gift of a son would not be withheld. Whether Sarah was hopeful or despairing, it didn't matter. God was going to take action. So maybe we hope and pray for God to act in our lifetime. Often I pray that way. Come, Lord Jesus, just show us your face. Wipe away our tears, enter our reality once again in a way that everyone would know your goodness, and turn us from the pain that we cause each other. Make there be enough for all, and not just to survive, but to thrive, and help us all see that everything we need has been given to us through your Son, Jesus. We get anxious because that promise just can't come soon enough. We want it now. Sarah's true feelings come out as she laughs. Maybe she's afraid to admit it. Yeah, I laughed, Lord. Out of irreverent fear. Maybe her faith isn't all gone after all. The Lord is right there with them. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Maybe faith was possible after all, and this promise really could come true, even after the struggles of the past. Maybe there was hope in trusting in God no matter what, who does more than we can expect or imagine, who cares for the weak, the elderly, who heals the sick and brings us back into loving relationships, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Maybe we're not alone after all. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. The promise came true. Is anything too wonderful for God if we could believe that way every day? Not just when it's easy. If we could believe that way, how could that reshape the way we live our lives? How could that good news transform us that even when we doubt or are afraid, we could look around 
and maybe wonder how this world could ever be redeemed. It's hard, but we need to hear it again and again. We wait, but God makes good on the promise. God keeps promises. God is keeping you. You've been welcomed as you are. You don't need to wait or achieve or earn or produce or perform anything to receive this abundant life that God has promised and procured through the cross. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Maybe you're not waiting for a son. Maybe you are. But for healing from illness, grief, addiction, loneliness, depression, wondering when will relief come? When can I move on? When can things get better? When can we be together again? The story reminds us that God is not far off. And nothing is impossible for God. That God's not waiting for us to act right or say the right thing or be successful or smart or clever or good. God chooses Abraham because God chooses to choose Abraham. God chooses Abraham and Sarah, and God has chosen to redeem the world through them. God has chosen you in baptism. And you already belong. That ought to blow your mind right there, right? God would choose me? I guess nothing is impossible for God. Yes, this good news transforms us. It gives us hope in the darkest of nights. It awakens us to the reality of the kingdom among us that no tragedy, no terrorist, no violence, no injustice can undo God's saving grace. And we can have hope because our waiting is not in vain. God will deliver us. God has given us a son.